If you're a Christian coach, speaker, or influencer, this is the right place. You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for biblical encouragement, spirit-led wisdom, and practical ideas as you answer God's calling to increase your authority by becoming an author. I'm Nika Maples, and I can help you write your next book so that you can take your business to the next level while advancing the kingdom and transforming people in Jesus' name. This is episode 130, Serve Even Better. If you listened to last week's episode, I was telling about my experience in Orlando, Florida with my mastermind and my coach. In that mastermind, we were learning all about how to become better coaches to serve our clients at the highest level. And I thought I knew what a high level of service was, both toward my clients and in general out in the world. But I only thought I knew what a high level of service was out in general in the world because my experience at the Four Seasons Hotel changed everything. I've stayed at some lousy hotels and at some good hotels over the years, just like anyone. And I know that there are some hotels that do a really good job of making a guest feel like they are a priority to the hotel. But there has never been a hotel that did it as well as the Four Seasons. So I want to share with you the 10 differences that I saw in the Four Seasons experience compared to other hotel experiences and what that taught me about serving even better. I have some life lessons, some business lessons. You can apply any of these truths to you in any way, and I'll tell you how I apply them to myself. So number one, the first thing that made the Four Seasons different is they sent a housekeeping team into the rooms twice a day. Now we're all familiar with hotels that will clean once a day. And of course, hotels also allow you to indicate in some way through a door hanger or something that you'd like privacy or that you don't mind reusing your towels or whatever. But at the Four Seasons, the expectation is that you'll get housekeeping twice a day. They do have a little button that you can push that says you'd like privacy and it lights up a button outside the room so they know to pass by your room. But my thought is, why would you have them pass by? Because the housekeeping is so phenomenal. They completely transform and refresh the room. And the truth that I learned from the fact that they do housekeeping twice a day is this. Increased frequency makes light work. Now, you may have heard the phrase, many hands make light work. I've always liked that phrase. That implies that the more people who are working, the easier it is to get a job done. And I actually don't know, maybe only one person came in to update and refresh the room twice a day. What I noticed was no matter how many people came, it was done with increased frequency, which meant that there would be less to do between each visit. The trash can would not be as full, as many towels would not be used, and so on and so forth. So it taught me that with increased frequency, I can reduce the amount of work that I need to do. I can apply this, of course, to my personal life with cleaning my home or my car, but I can also apply it to my business because there are some tasks that I prefer not to do. I don't enjoy bookkeeping or other 
kinds of things, paperwork. But what I do when I don't like a task is to postpone it and do it less frequently, meaning that I'll do it once a month or I'll do it twice a month. But what if the increased frequency makes the job easier? What if it makes light work? So maybe checking in once a day to do the bookkeeping is actually going to make the job easier to do and more pleasant. It's just a thought that I decided I might want to adopt that increased frequency makes light work. Even checking in with my clients and seeing how they're doing on their kingdom-focused writing projects, maybe increased frequency will serve them at a higher level the way that the increased frequency of the housekeeping served me at a higher level. Number two, another Four Seasons aspect that really took me by surprise is that in the evening housekeeping round, they would put a bottle of water by the bedside and ice in the ice bucket. Now, I'm a Texan, and I think that a full ice bucket is heaven on earth. And so when I go to a hotel, the first place I want to notice is where is the ice machine. And I will grab the ice bucket and go there without delay to fill up the ice bucket because I just like ice. I like to have it even when I don't have a drink. I just want ice in a cup. And I love ice so much that this one little detail of having ice in the bucket every night was amazing for me as a guest. And there might be some guests that didn't even notice there was ice in the bucket, but I've never had it done for me at a hotel. And I was amazed by that. The principle or the truth that I took away is the little things are the big things, the difference between the Four Seasons Hotel and any other hotel, let's say like a Motel 6 or Holiday Inn Express or whatever it is, they all have an ice bucket and they all have an ice machine. So it's not that the Four Seasons has something that they don't have. They're just doing something with what they have that's different. So when you look at a coach or you look at a speaker or you look at a Christian author and you think, oh, they have something that I don't have, it really does you a disservice. It really helps you to stay stuck where you are. Instead of assuming, I'm just going to assume they have exactly what I have. They're just using it in a different way. They have exactly what I have. They're just doing something different with it because the four seasons didn't add something. They did something with what they had. They decided instead of making the guest go to the ice machine, why don't we bring the ice to the guests? And the little things are the big things. In what way can you serve your clients? Can you serve your audiences? Can you serve your event asking organizations at the highest level? Not by adding something to what you offer, but just doing something different and bringing more to them so that they don't have to go get it from you. Maybe what just popped into my head, maybe if they're asking you for a headshot and an introduction piece that they can read, how about you offer that before they even have to ask for it? That'd be one kind of simple way to serve at a higher level. Number three, I noticed that when the housekeeping team came through the room, they would contain everything that was loose. They would contain it visually. So 
in the bathroom, you know, I dump out my makeup from the makeup bag and I'll just like, it's not a big mess. It's just kind of all in a sort of a pile that I use. And what I found when I came back from the first part of the conference in the day, I came back for lunch in my room and I noticed in the bathroom, they had put down a little placemat. Now it was smaller than maybe a dinner placemat, but it was just, that was the concept was this little placemat. And they had lined up every piece of makeup in an orderly fashion on the placemat. It was no longer in a jumble. It was in distinct lines on this placemat. I thought, oh, that's so cute. (laughs) So interesting. No hotel's never done that before. Well, in the private Facebook group of other members of my mastermind, I noticed that other guests were taking pictures of the same thing. Friend from the mastermind had some different jewelry that she had dumped out on the table and they had put a little placemat and lined up the jewelry in very neat order on the little placemat. Another person had dumped out some pens and highlighters and sticky notes, office supplies, and they had put a little placemat down on the desk and lined everything up in order. And I thought, so this is part of their system. This is part of their practice. Whenever they see something jumbled, they straighten it. Another aspect is all of our cords were contained. We just talked about how Maybe we had a loose phone cord or a dangling laptop cord. And when we returned to the room, they had all been wrapped, perfectly wrapped in this (laughs) little, neat little knot, you know, where it was contained and easily could be pulled apart, but it was so neat and tidy. And then if it was a cord that was too short or too long to wrap in their neat little knot, they had a little four season zip little temporary zip tie thing where they could zip up the cords. And so they contained everything. They contained the cords and they contained loose items on a placemat. But it's not like they were contained in a box or on a tray. It was just a placemat. So it was visual containment. I thought that was interesting. It made a difference to visually contain the loose items. So I wrote down a principle or truth that I could take away. I wrote down, create order by visually containing loose items. If you don't have to have a box or a tray for everything in your house or in your working desk or environment, but if you even visually contain it, even with this kind of placemat situation, if you visually contain loose items, it makes a difference. It created this kind of sense of relief and order. When you came to the room and you saw all the cords wrapped and every loose item lined up on a little placement. Now, of course, that can, you can go overboard with that and it doesn't always need to be done, but it's just a thought to me that even the pictures we hang on the wall, sometimes we don't have any order to it. We just hang whatever. If you create visual containment, kind of like even by just mapping off for a gallery wall, you're going to map off a square or a rectangle that you then fill. That kind of visual containment creates order. Instead of having throw blankets draped over every surface, I have a friend who visually contains them. She has them in this little basket that you can see the blankets, but they're not draped everywhere. It's just a thought 
that maybe I want to take more effort to visually contain loose items. Number four, everything had a place. So what I noticed was when I came back from the conference, everything was put back in its place. So shoes were put back in their place. Everything I used, if I had gotten out, maybe hand lotion to use, it was put back in its place. They had a corkscrew and items for coffee and whatever. And all of that was put back into exactly the same spot. They have a system for how to clean the room. And somewhere in the system, everyone knows where the corkscrew goes. I mean, it comes down to just that. Everyone who cleans the room is trained to the level of knowing exactly where the corkscrew goes. And I mean, which end of the corkscrew points which direction? Because now that I think about it, it was always exactly in the same form. I don't know how they created that system. If they took a picture or, and then said, match this picture. This is the way the coffee bar looks. This is exactly the way the ice tongs are facing this direction. They're going to look like this. The ice bucket is going to be beside the ice tongs. The corkscrew is right here. The coffee pods are right here. Everything, this is what it's going to look like. This is what the bed looks like when the bed is made up. This is where the trash can goes. If I moved the trash can, they would move it right back to the spot where it was. Everything, if I moved a chair, it was moved right back to the spot where it was. If I left the pins and the little notepad in a different spot, it was moved right back to the spot where it goes. If I moved the remote control, it was moved right back to the spot where it goes. I would love to sit in on the training to see how they trained Did they look at pictures? Did they go through, did they have to take a quiz to know exactly where everything goes so that there's a reset and a reboot and everything goes back to where it belongs? I was fascinated by that. And I had to take away the truth and the principle that systems make things easier. Because we spend a lot of our time in indecision. We spin in indecision. We put the trash can one place one day, The next time we use it, we put it in a different place. We lose our ice tongs because when we use the ice tongs one day, we put it in a different place. Maybe you're not using ice tongs at home. But whatever you're using, you know, whether it be a personal item, now I can't find that favorite spatula. Now I can't find that book that I was reading because we don't put our book back in the right place. Or now I can't find the keys because I don't put the keys in the same place every day. And we do that. We, we lose things because, or we stay in indecision of, did, should this go here or should this go there? Because we don't have systems that are decided on that we could actually train ourselves on and we could perform at the level of the Four Seasons housekeeping staff to do the same thing every time without trying to reinvent the wheel every 24 hours with making new decisions about where things go. And in my business, I tell myself all the time, well, I don't like making systems in the back end of my business, but I'm choosing to believe systems make things easier. I saw it in real life through my experience at the Four Seasons Hotel. Systems make things easier. That's just the way it goes. They come at the exact same time every day. They do the exact same thing every day. And it allowed me the creativity because it was so predictable. It allowed me the creativity to be a visionary and to make plans because everything had been reset. I can reset for myself in the same way, both in my personal life and in my professional life and in my business. And none other thing is popping up. I used to travel a lot. I still travel and speak, 
But when I was teacher of the year, I mean, I was traveling constantly and I had a suitcase out. It was just on the chaise lounge and it was just always full. I never emptied that thing. And even when it was two weeks in between a speaking engagement, I didn't empty my suitcase because I didn't have a system in place. And also (laughs) the way I packed it, when I did pack it, it was like it took way too long. Every time it took way too long because I was going over this mental list of did I forget this and did I forget that and how do I remember this? And it was like I was reinventing the wheel every time I took a trip somewhere and I was taking so many trips. Why didn't I just have a system? Well, now I have a system. I can pack and this just happens to be and I'm so glad that I have at least adopted it when it comes to my suitcase, but I can adopt it in other places and I need to give myself permission to do this because it's so easy now. When I pack a suitcase, y'all, I can pack a suitcase the morning I have to leave and get on a plane. I'm not kidding. If I have I have to be at the airport like I, you know, at 6:30 in the morning, I can get up at 5 and pack my suitcase. Because I know exactly where everything goes in the suitcase. I know. So I know what's missing because I know where everything goes in the suitcase. And then when I get back from a trip, I just unpack it all. I put my suitcase, empty suitcase away in the closet. And it's such a sense of relief to have that system in place. Why don't I put a lot of those systems in my business? I don't know, but I'm going to now because it truly does make a difference to know where everything goes and how everything goes. Now I want to tell you about the fifth experience that made a big difference for me. I was starting to get this amazing service at the Four Seasons and I thought, Now they're on a beautiful campus. The grounds are amazing. They have lakes that you can explore and beautiful walking trails. Well, with a disability, I wasn't going to be able to see a lot of it. And some of those walking trails are paved. Well, I thought, I I wish I had a wheelchair. Well, I'm going to ask. You never know at this place. They may say yes. So I walked up and I said, is there any chance that you have a wheelchair available on this campus? And they said, of course, one moment, please take a seat. And so I took a seat in the lobby. And I realized as I was watching her, person behind the counter actually did not know if they had a wheelchair. I mean, I could tell. I was watching her from several feet away. But she had said, when I said, do you have a wheelchair? She was like, of course, one moment, please. Here, you can take a seat. And then I watch her kind of like trying to figure out if they do have a chair. <laughs> but you know what? Her answer was, of course, one moment, please. And I, it ended up not working out because they sent a bellman with the chair and I thought they were just going to let me borrow the chair. But he was like, where, where are we going? I'd love to push you. I'm like, no, I don't want to be pushed around. I wanted to explore and push myself. And he said, no, our practice is that we escort you. We'll take you anywhere you want to go. But I, that's not what I wanted. So that didn't work out. The principle was the of course principle, where I saw she said yes, and then she found the yes. That's the truth to take away. Say yes, and then find the yes. So with a high level of customer service, I believe this is what is driving the excellent customer service. Instead of saying, uh, I don't know, or I'll have to check on that, or I don't think so. If it's, of course, one moment, please, then the guest has a completely different 
perspective. It's like this person is making me a priority. They're going to figure it out. They're saying yes before they find the yes. They will find it because they have said yes. But in our coaching businesses, in speaking engagements, a lot of times when somebody asks for something, we'll say, I don't know. Oh, you know, and almost assume a no before assuming a yes. Well, when I started looking at everyone who worked at the Four Seasons, I noticed they all said that. Of course. Of course. One moment, please. Of course. One moment, please. Whether they knew exactly how to serve and solve the problem or if they were going to figure it out, it didn't matter because the first answer was, of course. One moment, please. With the biggest smile on their faces. You can serve even better if you make, of course, your answer. Of course, I'll help you. And then you figure out how you can help them more. Of course. And then you figure out. Your people will be served and feel like they're a priority and it will change everything. So number six, they had a beautiful bathtub in the rooms and I wanted to take a bath and there was only one little shower gel. So I went to the front desk. And this shower gel experience was nothing like what I'd ever had before because at any other hotel front desk, when you walk to the front, hey, could I have a couple of other shower gels, please? They'd say, hey, you want one or two? You know, this, not at the Four Seasons. I said, may I please have a couple extra shower gels? And they said, of course, one moment, please. This woman disappeared into a back room, and she came back with a gift bag of five shower gels, five of the hotel shower gels. She could have just handed me the hotel shower gels, but she put it in a gift bag, like a small hotel branded gift bag, and handed it to me. I thought, see, that's amazing. And I took away the principle. Above and beyond is not that hard. Because if I'm staying at a lower end hotel, and I say, hey, man, please have an extra shower gel. And they say, sure, do you want one or two? And they just hand me two shower gels. Well, again, it's like what I said earlier. It's not that the Four Seasons has something different than the other hotels have. They didn't suddenly give me this amazing bottle of, a large bottle of shower gel. They gave me the same little tiny hotel shower gels, but they put them in a little gift bag and they gave me five. Here you go, Miss Maples. Above and beyond is not that hard. Think in your business, in your coaching business, in your speaking engagements, how can I go above and beyond? Because right now you might be like I am telling myself, well, going above and beyond is just hard sometimes. Well, what if it's not that hard? And number seven. Okay, so on Monday there was a reception for the mastermind and I had been traveling during the day so my legs were tired. I couldn't balance as I got my buffet plate. So I saw a couple of servers standing along the walls and I indicated to one of them, I said, I need a little bit of help. Will you help me? He came over. He said, of course, one moment. He took my plate and I said, if you could just hold that plate and I could put some food on it as I walk so that I can hold on to my cane. And he said, if you prefer, I could do it that way. Or you could just tell me which items you want and I'll put it on the plate. And I said, well, I'll let you do that then because I am very tired. So I was able to kind of like hold on to my cane with one hand and balance on the table with the other hand. What I noticed was not how sweet he was when he was actually helping me. It was this. 
at the end of when he finished at the end of the buffet line, he said, okay, so where are we going? And I said, we're walking over this direction. By the way, my name is Nika. And he said, my name is James. Now, I have always tried to make it a practice to learn the name of a person who is helping you. Because as a person with a disability, you want to catalog those people every time you can. Yes, I'm interested in him as a person. But I also know if I ever fall on that property, the first name I'm going to call is James because he was helpful to me. So I keep in mind who is who is naturally just eager to help. Well, James was. So I introduced myself. My name is Nika. He said, yeah, I'm James. Monday night now. And he takes me, he puts me down at this bistro table when I'm with some other people that I'm meeting and we eat dinner. Monday night now. Monday night. I never see this guy again. I never see him again. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, late Thursday night, there's another buffet at 8.30 at night. I'm walking through the buffet. This time I'm not traveling, so I'm holding my plate just fine. And James walks up and he says, hi, Nika, would you still like my help? What? Now, I remember his name because I don't have that many names to know. There, I'm a guest here at this hotel and there are only a few people that I might interact with more than once or twice. But he has hundreds of names he could possibly know. Hundreds of guests were there. And over four days, plus all the guests that come in and out of that place, four days later, how did he know my name? He walked up to me and said, Nika, would you still like my help? I'm happy to serve. This time I said, I think I can hold my plate. I'm all right. But I was amazed at his level of service to mention my name four days later. And so the principle, the takeaway from that is pay attention. Pay attention. James was paying attention to me. We underestimate the value of attention. So we think the only way to pay is to pay money. No, more valuable than that is attention. And James paid me attention. He gave me such high value by knowing my name and then saying it again four days later. How can we do that for our clients? They might be paying us money, but how can we pay them? We pay them attention. A speaking engagement, they may pay me a speaker's fee, but I'm going to pay them attention and give them not only just a rote little memorized speech, but something that is helpful and tailored to their audience. My coaching clients may be paying me money, but I'm going to pay them attention and help them get to the root of their hangups and hookups so that they can make progress on the thing they've longed to do. Number eight, there was a young man in a coffee shop that I visited this coffee shop just to get a deli sandwich on most of the days that I was there. And he was just delightful. So he was so delightful. He's number eight and number nine. But number eight, I have to say that when I first walked in, he was like, wow, I love your shoes. Now he's just carrying my drink to the table for me. But he says, I love your shoes. They're so cute. I like, like they just fit right in. I like the bright color that you would love. All of us, we like to talk about sneakers back in the back and yours are so nice. And 
I mean, he didn't have to talk about my shoes, but it didn't sound fake either. It didn't sound like he was just trying to find a connection point. It seemed authentic, but he was trying to find a connection point. So outside this deli was a terrace and he was bringing my drink to the terrace so that I could have a seat and wait for my hamburger. And then he's going to bring the hamburger later. But I wanted to choose a really nice spot. And I'm not a picky person, except when it comes to like, I want to get a good view. I picked this one spot. He goes, this is great. You're going to love it. This is a fantastic spot. And I go, wait, I think that one over there is better. No one was out there but me, so I could be this picky. I was like, this is better because I can see the fountain. Of course you can see the fountain. Absolutely. Let's move over there. Let's do it. It's great. You're going to love that spot. And then as soon as I got there, I said, but this one has a rocking chair. Let's go (laughs) Go over there to the rocking chair. He said, absolutely. You have to have the rocking chair. The rocking chair is the most comfortable seat on the whole terrace. And you see the the fountain. You got to do it. And so I was delighted by this guy's enthusiasm. From the moment he saw my shoes and was complimenting me to being willing to enthusiastically and joyfully move me through three seats before I actually chose the one I wanted to sit down at, he was just absolutely, he stood out. Now, most people, most servers, if you start changing your spot, and again, it was not making a scene because no one was on this terrace when I was there. It was not a rush hour time at all. And most servers would be like, okay, yeah, let's sit down here. Oh, you want to move? Okay, let's go there. Oh, you want to move? Okay, let's go there. And they'd show no enthusiasm. But this young man, he was just absolutely enjoying. You're going to love it. That's a great decision. Move over there. Let's do it. And that joy, again, he was looking for a connection point with me, but his joy was not fake. It was over the top, but it was so real. It was enjoyable. So the principle and the truth that I took away from that is enthusiasm makes it sparkle. So many times, I'm not talking about false positivity. But so many times we could add a little sparkle to our coaching or speaking by being enthusiastic when it seems like it's not even necessary. Behind stage, when somebody's bringing you a water or asking you if your mic is comfortable, are you enthusiastic or do we just say, yes, it's fine, it's fine? How can we make it sparkle? with our enthusiasm. And the same young man is in number nine. After four days of being at the Four Seasons with him, I called him over one day during lunch. I said, come here, come here, come here. here. I want to ask you a couple questions. I promise I'm not recording you and I'll never, you know, turn in your name if you say something that you wish you hadn't said. I just want to know, when you're here working, are there some times that you just get annoyed at the people that you're serving. I mean, because not everyone's grateful. I'm looking around, I've been here for four days and not everyone is all that happy to be here. Not everyone, a lot of people are, but some people are just seem, you know, grumpy. And do you get irritated? Do you sit in the back room and talk about the guests? And he said, you know what? Every once in a while there is, 
picky person who'll send something back and say, no, this wasn't fixed the way I wanted it. But we don't make a big deal about that because mostly we're just back there enjoying ourselves. That's what he said. There are people that are hard to serve, in other words, but behind it all, we're mostly just enjoying ourselves. I loved that answer. So I quickly asked him another one. I said, okay, so next question. Have you ever seen any famous people here? Like, are there lots of famous people that come through here? And he said, mostly we just try not to notice. I was like, whoa, he's not going to treat a famous person any different than he's going to treat some nobody off the street. When you come to the Four Seasons, the philosophy is that they're going to treat you with excellent service no matter what. And that's what I saw in his two answers, that they're enjoying themselves. They're not making a big deal about the people who are grumpy or who are great. They're just serving and enjoying themselves. Can you imagine working in a place where you enjoy yourself so much, you just have no complaints about the people that you're serving? I think it's possible in our coaching and our speaking businesses, we can be the kind of people who are like, yeah, sure, you're going to have clients that are Sometimes they're overly picky, they have complaints, they want a refund, blah, blah, blah. But most of the time, I'm just back here enjoying myself. Really, I would agree with him that that's how I feel about my business. Yeah, there's some people that haven't been that great to work with, but most of all, I'm just back here enjoying myself. And I think it's a great perspective to think, hey, it doesn't matter. I'm going to serve everyone. I try not to notice who's famous and who's not. You're going to be asked by different people to come on a podcast. Maybe one will be somebody who's famous in their field to ask you on their podcast. Are you going to do a different job for them as an interview guest than you would for somebody who's just beginning their podcast and doesn't have many followers? Are you going to do a different job for them? Are you going to have favorites or be a respecter of persons? I don't think that works at the Four Seasons. They're committed to serving every guest the same way. And I think that is the thing that makes them stand out as different. It made me want to say, assume the best. That was the principle. And the truth that I took away from his comments is assume the best. Just assume the best about people. Assume that the person who's a nobody is worth giving the same attention and content to as the person who does have a big following, assume the best, assume they are the best for you right now, just like the other person might be. Assume the best about the client who's complaining and who's difficult. Assume the best, assume this is exactly what they need to work through. And they're with the exact person they need to work through it with. You, and that you don't have to walk away and say, oh, it was a bad experience or it was a bad engagement to work with her, you could just say, "It's hey, I'm going to assume the best. I'm going to assume this was perfect for both of us. Maybe I need some things to work on too. You can do that work internally in your journal, right through that kind of thought work. Assume the best. And now we've come to lesson number 10. And that is, I watched everyone who worked at the Four Seasons try to give each guest a private experience. They talked softly, made it in such a way that it was all discreet. 
every amount of service, everything they did was discreet. It wasn't for show. It wasn't for attention for themselves and what they were doing. They gave each guest a private experience. And the truth that I took away from that is privacy is the ultimate luxury. We don't want to let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. Jesus wants us to serve without bringing attention to ourselves and letting the people we serve have the privacy of receiving a gift. We don't want to put out there for everyone to see, oh, yada, yada, I did this. We want to give the ultimate gift of luxury, and that is privacy. Now, I am praying about this episode. I thought that there was something that was beautiful about their service at the Four Seasons. Everyone was free to serve. It's like they had permission from their managers and supervisors to say that, of course, just wait a moment, please. They didn't have to ask, would I be able to serve in this way? They had already been given permission. You're going to serve the best that you can, say yes, and then find the yes. And it brought to my mind Galatians 5, 13 through 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So the Four Seasons employees definitely had the permission and the freedom to serve at the highest level. And what that means for me is that when we get more and more freedom in our businesses, because we're the ones who are running our businesses, we're running the speaking engagement, we're running the coaching experience and all of that, we can make the decisions and we have the flexibility. Now that I have coaching and speaking and, and being an author as my sole source of income, I can choose when I work and when I don't. And I can choose how I want to live. I can decide, oh, I'm only going to coach in the mornings or I'm only going to write in the afternoons. I get to decide all of that. And that freedom is not to bless me. That freedom is to bless the people that I serve. So let me read it again, Galatians 5, 13 through 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So I want to leave you with three questions to consider. You can journal about these or just be thinking about them. Number one, how can you serve your coaching clients even better? Number two, how can you follow up a speaking engagement in a way that delights? And what is your service rating right now? And what do you want it to be? What I mean by that is if your speaking engagement clients and if your coaching clients were to be given a survey of how well do you serve them and you ask a few questions, what kind of rating would they give you? What stories would they be able to share? The way that I'm sharing stories about the four seasons, what stories would they be able to share about working with you? Ask yourself these questions and decide to use your freedom, the freedom God has given you to serve higher, not to indulge your flesh, to get to do what you want, 
It's not about us. It's about what God's enabled us to do for them. Are you subscribed to my YouTube channel yet? I love creating weekly lessons that will bring value and insight to you about your writing, publishing, and book marketing journey. When you listen to my podcast, you learn through your ears. But when you watch my YouTube channel, you learn through your eyes and ears, making double the impact in half the time. See you over on YouTube.